0: Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where two lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the Stoic, Matthew Henry. How you doing, Matthew? <laughs> stoic. Take your yeah. Stoic and
0: shove it up your ass. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa, coming out of the gate hot. Oh, have you seen the Giants play lately? Yeah, no. There's no stoicness involved with watching the Giants. You're either you're either pulling out your hair or you're you're, you're putting a gun in your mouth. I don't know, but it's just uh, at this point, uh, stoicism has left the building. Ben.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! Easy on the self harm references, Matthew. We're gonna have to put notes in the show notes. Oh,
0: all right, sorry. All right. Wow. D- uh,
1: D- I mean, please you know, don't giants- put a gun
0: in your mouth. Don't don't. Do that. <laughs> no matter how bad the Giants are playing, it's not worth it.
1: The Giants will do that to you. Uh, Yeah, the Giants had a, a, yeah, the Giants had a frustrating week. I get it. It, you know, I mean, there was the Kyle Harrison home debut, which went great. And then the next night, everything was great. The week was great, right? I mean, for eight and two-thirds innings, everything was, aside from a Casey Schmidt, uh, you know, moment, perfect. Shall we say? Yeah. But since uh yeah, since that was I that guess,
0: was this, uh, that was Tuesday,
1: right? And then uh, that was Tuesday. Since then, the Giants won one game. Well, I mean, I guess they technically won the Tuesday game, right? Yes. Right. As uh, but you know what? I I think I mean we we have a right to feel disappointed on Tuesday, right? Because I was listening to the rap and 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 Dwayne Kuiper was like. You know, it, it's just, baseball's a weird game, right? Like, that was a great win, but I'm ticked off. I'm mad. And, you know, and I didn't see the interview, but I, or hear the interview, but I guess Patrick Bailey on the radio interview was, was pretty, you know, distraught over losing the no-hitter. And so it took what was a dominant victory, and was really propelling the Giants forward, right? This is a dominant victory and a, and a series-clinching victory over a team that we need to beat in the playoff run. Yeah. And kind of kind of made it feel like a little bit like you know kissing your sister and the um I know how you love that reference by the way <laughs> and um everybody loves sister kisses uh, sorry that's an old that's an old school joke. I don't know that they, we have any listeners that remember no no that listeners
0: reference. were listening when we made that
1: joke before, so. Anyway, Just our mom. hi mom anyway uh yeah I mean the rest of this week was worse than a sister kiss. You know, we lost the last game to the Reds and and then went in against the Padres with every opportunity to to just put that team away and and instead demonstrated that the Padres are probably a better team than the Giants.
0: Yeah. Well, if you look at all the all the the underlying stats, they they are the only one that they're not is is the record book. And and we saw that I I think the Giants we're lucky they didn't get swept. Uh, the the Padres were padreing that first game and wanting to give the Giants all sorts of opportunities, and fortunately, the Giants actually took advantage of those for once. Uh, but since then, it was just maddening to watch. And, and in fact, you know, today I didn't even watch half the game. You know, three down, three down, three runs in the first, and I'm like, yeah, I have this. And,
1: well, I didn't watch the game because we had to save the princess and then uh, and then you know stop the ritual.
0: Yeah, did the ogres come in and?
1: do anything uh no no there were no ogres uh the boss battle commenced and we decided to wait until next week thank you very ma- much matthew Got it. um we're, Got it. we're fighting an overpowered suit of armor oh okay well it's that okay. could get tricky yeah that can get tricky you know this thing can cast the wish spell but then it dies we were we did we want to talk about D?
0: No, no, we did not. No,
1: okay. Well, I have a question for you. I have okay. a question for you. Okay. Uh, and since we were on the subject before we before we went off into D and D land, and you know what though, maybe we do want to talk about D and D or or Minecraft <laughs> exactly. or, or or you suggested a show about forty nine cocktails. Oh, yeah, at, at next week,
0: man. Forty nine cocktails. The Giants have another cocktails. week like this. It's
1: yeah. What is that in a reference to?
0: It's going to be a San Francisco 49ers uh, podcast, and we're just going to. Oh talk right, about, that's the uh, that's
1: the professional lacrosse team. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, okay. That's a good idea. Anyway, until uh, you know, uh, um speaking of that, speaking of things getting that bad, I have a question for you. Okay. Last year, Matthew, I think around this time, you 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 read a poem on the show. And I want to reference that poem now in this question. Okay. Do you want me to wake you when September ends? <laughs> Or are you going to watch this train wreck unfold? Oh, you know,
0: it's been I'm the optimist of us. And, and that optimism has been waning. Um, hmm. I, I feel I've like noticed. I feel like the only thing that's keeping me going these days is frankly the booze. <laughs> okay. I mean, it makes it that much easier to kind of like, you know, absorb the Giants loss when I can down a really good cocktail. Uh, so maybe this is the time where, you know, our listeners could really jump into the cocktail aspect of our show. And and because you're going to need it, folks, you're going to need it. So, you know, I'm probably going to watch the train wreck unfold, uh, but I'm not going to do it sober. That's for sure.
1: Wow, I think that's what they call an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, Matthew.
0: It's an unhealthy relationship with the San Francisco Giants, is what it is. <laughs>
1: that's that's true. You're right. Yes, yeah. It's all I mean, their fault. They're
0: driving us to drink, Ben. I mean, it's not my fault, that's right? True. I, I'm that's just true. I'm there for the entertainment value, and they refuse to entertain me. So, that's right. you
1: know, I I need I need something to help me through this. That's right. It's all Gabe Kapler's fault. No. or Farhan Zaidi's fault.
0: No. It's 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 the guys that are actually like, you know, swinging at every freaking pitch out of the strike zone and it's just it's it's all of it, Ben. It's all of it. It's not mm, one it's person's all their fault. Faults. It's all
1: their faults. It's all We're going to talk about that later in the show. But anyways, today is Sunday, September 3rd as we record this podcast. Your San Francisco Giants went Three and four this week to bring their record to 70 and 67. They went two and one against the aforementioned Cincinnati Reds, including that masterful performance by Alex Cobb, which was one out away from a no hitter. Did you know, Matthew, that the Giants have lost two no hitters in the last decade, two other no hitters in the last decade? on the last out, when it is statistically more likely that you will throw a no-hitter than not. Hmm. Three Giants now have failed to do it, including Yuzmaro Petit, in what would have been a perfect game. Yeah. They also went 1-3 and three against the San Diego Padres. Bob, this is normally the time when I would ask you, what do the Padres going to do? Or what do the Padres do? But sadly, they didn't. And that's the sad thing about the Padres Padre and the Giants being, you know, mediocre. These are things that are not mutually exclusive, right? They can both be true. It's looking increasingly likely that neither the Padres nor the Giants will make the playoffs. But certainly the Giants gave the Padres an inkling of hope by dropping three out of four against them. And on that note, Let's go take a look at the standings. Let's not. We're gonna. We gotta. That's what we do. That's the bit. <sighs> look, look, look. We can't, like, we can't sit here and commiserate and moan and groan if we don't know what we're moaning and groaning about. Oh, all
0: right. All right. How bad is it?
1: Well, so they're 14 and a half games out of first place. Tied I knew it. For we're doomed. Second, <laughs> tied for second place with the Arizona D, D- bags. Uh, the you know the Dodgers who at this point like are even really in the same universe I thought you know it feels like the Giants and the Dodgers don't even exist in the same universe anymore
0: no they don't it's it's the Braves and the Dodgers and then everyone else
1: yeah and the Braves are the better team as they demonstrated uh yeah so that's uh, that's the that's the NOS standings the Giants are as badly worse off than they were even a week ago and that was horrible then okay so the sky is falling. Everything's falling apart. You know, Gabe Kapler the worst manager ever. Farhan Zaidi hates baseball. Um, Johnson ownership leadership is like all they're just in it for the money and to build real estate. Uh, So so that means in the NL wildcard standings, we must be completely out of it. Right.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I I didn't even look because I just know how bad it is.
1: Okay, so in the first wild card spot is the Philadelphia Phillies. They are two and a half games ahead of the Chicago Cubs, who now have a firm grip on the second wild card spot. And they are three games ahead of the Arizona Diamondbacks, yep. who are tied with the Miami Marlins, yep. who are tied with the San Francisco Giants. Wait, what? For the last wild card spot. Bob, is this right? Is this the, Bob, is this the right standings? Yes. Wow. They are also technically tied with the Cincinnati Reds. However, while the Diamond, the D-Bags, the Marlins, and the Giants all have the exact same record, the Reds are tied in games um, games back, but they um, have played two more games than the rest of those teams. So the Reds are 71 and 68. And because the Reds lost the season series to the Giants, they would lose the tiebreaker against the Giants should there be a tie. And so the Giants are actually technically in a wild card spot position, but they are also tied with two other teams for that spot, and they don't play a play in game anymore. So that tiebreaker would be determined by head to head record
0: versus head to head, and then it's division play. So we actually mm. own, it, well, depending on how we do the rest of this month, currently we hold the we're tied with the Marlins. We actually split the the games with the okay. Marlins this year., uh, but we have a better division record than the Marlins do, right. Uh, right. So so and then we have two games in two weeks against Arizona. Currently, we have
1: one game lead. Okay, so they just need to win one of those games to to win the tiebreaker against the yes. D-bags. And so then they would own the tiebreakers against both of those teams. Yeah. See, this is what the third wild card spot does, Matthew. It rewards mediocrity. Yeah. This San Francisco Giants team is not good. Also, I'm not one of those people, but there are a lot of people out there, Matthew, that really want to hate Gabe Kapler. Well, they do already hate him, but they want to have a really good reason for it, right? Yeah. And one of those reasons could really be not making the playoffs, but they might still make the playoffs. Yeah,
0: I, I think an argument could be made that uh, it's amazing they're even in a playoff spot right now. Uh, so maybe he gets a little credit for that like like I just you know that's that's, with this how many rookies have been playing and the injuries and the fact that guys that they were counting on been playing like crap I just feel like you know the manager has been juggling a lot of you know crap balls and is managed to keep them in contention Uh, but but Bob 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 what is the third wild card third wild card is the worst wild card That's exactly, Bob. Exactly. So, you know, we just you're barely hanging on to being average at that point. Right, Bob? It's hard work being average.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's hard work being average. That's true. true. Most of the teams in baseball are not average. Exactly.
0: You know, so, you know, we should uh, at least hang our hat on that. You know, we're slightly above average.
1: That's right. In the third wild card spot. That's right. I, I, I mean, I don't really know what to make of this. I mean, this is clearly a mediocre baseball team. This is a team that has tons of problems. It's not really that fun to watch, right? And and yet oh, here painful. they are, here they are in a playoff spot. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe we, yeah, hmm. Maybe we should just talk about who's hot and not.
0: Well, that's that's we're...
1: really easy. There's no one hot. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, not even Alex Cobb. The man almost throws a no hitter, but he started again this week. <laughs> and and I'm not gonna
0: I'm not gonna it. count guys that have only had like four at bats as hot. So like, I'm sorry Blake Sable, sorry Brandon Crawford, you don't get you know recognition. Austin Slater batting th- his four for eleven this week. So which is saying that's a lot disgusting. because he was like oh for thirty or something like that earlier in the month. Uh, so he's like our hottest hitter. Then Tyro just keeps plugging away. You know, nine for 28 this week, uh, batting three twenty one. Uh, Everyone after that, our highest, uh, JD Davis batting two fifty. That's the next
1: one. Up. So Wilmer finally had a bad week.
0: Uh, Wilmer batted a buck 74 this week. Yeah.
1: Way to go. Wilmer way to let us down, buddy.
0: <laughs> but he, but he also had uh, one home run. He actually had this tied for the second most RBIs on the team.
1: Oh, jeez, I, that's a joke, by the way, taking the shot at the Wilmer, um, You should never take shots at your MVP, your season. I will say he's
0: four for 23, zero strikeouts in those 23 at-bats.
1: Wow. All right. Well, I guess that means it's time for the trivia question, Matthew.
0: Yes, it is time for the trivia question. And I don't know why I got thinking about this, but, uh, you know, lately you've been watching the pregame show and Rich Aurelia has been – You know, been on there this year quite a bit. And uh, I don't I don't know. I just got thinking about Richie. And so I was checking him out and I was surprised because I did not remember all of this. That Rich Aurelia played for three other teams other than the San Francisco Giants.
1: Yes. Today's trivia
0: question is name those three teams.
1: Uh, Rickert, Foneta, Suyoshi Shinjo, and Kevin Moss.
0: <laughs> I think you uh, you misheard the question.
1: Uh, no, I actually know the answer to this. The question. Yomuri
0: Giants. The uh, right, yeah, you the, know, ch- the, the, the Nippon. The, you know, yeah, that's right, whatever. and the
1: Chattanooga Lookouts. uh i no, i actually know the answer to this question like i knew it as soon as i read it because just you just weird like that yeah yeah, just weird like that so i i i yeah which is weird because
0: like he started his career with the giants and he finished his career with the giants but there were actually three other teams in between which is kind of strange uh so we will we will talk about this at the end of the episode enough with the banter let's talk cocktails
1: yeah, Bob. I agree. Um, hit us. What are you drinking, Ben? Oh, well, thank you for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. Bob, today I am drinking a Gin Cure cocktail. Technically, it's called a pineapple Gin Cure cocktail, but for reasons that I don't remember, I called it a Gin Cure cocktail. And I got it from a very famous person who is close friends with a famous marijuana enthusiast. And you can find out who that is by listening to last Thursday's show, Bob, because you weren't there when we recorded it, because you don't go to those shows, because I guess we can't afford you. Right. He doesn't get paid enough for that. That's right. (laughs) Anyway... But I will tell you now what's in it, Bob. It has two ounces of gin, three ounces of pineapple juice, one half ounce of lemon juice, and because it's a Keir cocktail, it has to have creme de cassis in it, and it does. It's either a quarter to half an ounce. You make it by pouring that creme de cassis into into the bottom of an empty Collins or highball glass In a separate mixing glass, you combine the pineapple juice, the gin, and the lemon juice, and then you stir to combine them. Then, returning to your highball glass, you fill that with ice over the creme de cassis, and then you slowly pour your gin gin mixture over the ice, and it creates a really cool-looking cocktail, which should definitely be stirred by the imbiber before imbibing with a straw that you should have provided them. And that is the Gin Cure Cocktail, a.k.a. the Pineapple Gin Cure Cocktail. That's what I'm drinking, Bob. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. It is tasty and purdy.
0: And purdy, I agree. What are you drinking, Matthew? Well, thanks, Bob. I am drinking a cocktail called the Summer Haze. And it's an original that I adapted from a previous cocktail that I brought to the show called Summer Days, which was, I think, in early July. And this, uh, the Summer Haze, has two ounces of bourbon, a half ounce of Amaro Nonino Quintessencia, a half ounce of strawberry syrup, one ounce of lemon juice two dashes of lavender bitters and an egg white. And you put all those ingredients into a shaker without ice and you shake it vigorously for five to 10 seconds. Then You're going to add ice and shake it until chilled. You're going to double strain it into a chilled coupe glass, garnish with a strawberry slice and a sprig of mint and enjoy the summer haze. Uh, So that is what I'm drinking, Bob. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. It really is, Bob. And, you know, who says you can't have bourbon in the summer?
1: Yeah, who, who does say that?
0: Nobody. Nobody says that. I just, I just made it up. Because uh, sometimes, you know, you need some bourbon when you're watching the San
1: Francisco Giants. That's right. That's right. You know, we've tried to be optimistic the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean we talked about how they were unlucky. We've mm-hmm. talked about like like you know, we're digging, man. We're like, "No, this is the way yeah. they're not this bad. This is the way
1: things are going to turn around." And then right. the offense is going to turn around like because they've been unlucky or they've had great defense performed against them or there's all kinds of reasons as to why this good baseball team isn't playing well. Yeah. Well, you know what happened to the Calendar Matthew? You know Because I already asked you. That's what my question today was about. What did the calendar do, Matthew? Turn to September. Stretch drive. The last month of the regular season. Of a six-month season. If we're still making excuses, if we're still trying to explain why this team isn't doing well, under the auspices that somehow it's better than it has performed we're probably just deluding ourselves. Yeah. Like yeah. this team? Matthew, I'm I'm afraid to say that I was wrong about this team. It's not an 84-win team. Right now this team is an 83-win team. <laughs> and they, uh 2 games better than last year, Ben. That's true. I mean, that's true. It is an improvement. It's an improvement, but you know what? It doesn't meet our expectations, and and we we alluded to all of the people who are responsible for 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 the team being this bad, or sorry, this mediocre. And and I know the fans, the rest of the fans, the rest of Giants Nation, really not the rest, but a lot of Giants Nation wants to blame all of this on Gabe Kapler, and. You know, I think we should probably dive deeper into Kepler at some point, because I think people really want to hear what other people think, right? Because there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of animosity, and it and it, it all got stirred up when when that old man with his big old head and his big old mustache showed up from Texas, you know,
0: <laughs> to remind with us the, what a, the big old headed dude.
1: That's right. What you know? What it is uh, Bruce uh, Beauchet. That's right. so uh yeah i got i got all people all riled up got them all angry you know ah, yeah i remember when we had a good manager and and you know i I mean hey hey the team's not doing well That's that's a really good person to blame the manager right but you you mentioned something also that 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 well i mean so first of all like who do i blame i don't blame kapler right i mean you can only do as well as the tools of which you're provided right if you're performing a service and you're given shoddy tools you're going to do i mean if you're doing mediocre work that's probably pretty good so so i lay this at the feet of one farhan zaidi but you made an interesting point earlier in the show you think the people to blame are the players the players what a novel concept. It's the players. fault. I know. I
0: know. I know. Like, like, I, I don't know if it feels weird even saying that because that's not the narrative that you see in social media. Like, you know, somebody like, I don't know. It's just, it's like, we love our giants. We hate Gabe Kepler. Therefore he's to blame. And, you know, I'm looking at, I'm just, I just pulled up his, uh, his stats on, uh, as a manager on baseball reference. His career record, if you look at wins and losses, is he's five thirty-one uh, win percentage, four hundred forty-eight wins, three hundred ninety-six losses, which is a pretty darn good uh, statistic. When you most most managers are actually below five hundred uh, when if they've been coaching along managing a long time.
1: That's because he got lucky, Matthew, with that sure. 2021 team. Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, even
0: if you take out that 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 uh that one uh season, yeah, he's okay. He's probably a, a little bit slightly above 500 then. But uh but then I'm looking at like all of his, it's kind of funny looking at like Baseball Reference will break it down into his uh like what he likes to do in certain situations and including like stealing bases, substitutions and all that. And when when he was with the Phillies, He was only slightly above average in terms of pinch hits per game using pinch hitters. Then he goes to the Giants and all of a sudden he's 67% above league average, 37% above above league average, 133% above league average in 2022, 57% above league average this year. Uh, You know, and I don't think that that was the the, the common, the, the big difference there is that Farhan Zaidi was the general manager and put this team together in San Francisco, whereas he had an entirely different team in Philadelphia. And so I think, you know, he's managing to the way the team has been built. And I know we've talked about this in the past, but I feel like he gets a raw deal because of that. Like, it's not like he's not managing. He's not the one being like, oh, I want to pinch hit for all these guys and I want to do all that. He's doing it to give them the best chance to win because that's the way the roster has been constructed. Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like he's gotten a bad rap in this, and I, you know, he definitely has his faults. I don't think I'm not an apologist for Gabe Kapler, but he's not the reason that the Giants are struggling right now.
1: I I totally agree, and I would love to go deeper into this. I mean, I think of the three parties that are to blame for a team's performance, and I think there are three. Right, it's the coaching staff, it's the front office that builds the roster, and then it's the roster itself. I think the coaching staff is the least to blame for this, well, and and even last year's mediocrity, right? This is not because, like, if we had a different manager, this team is not going to be better. Folks, if we had Alex Wood starting and pitching every fifth day, this team would not be better. Okay, I don't know why people think that. I don't know why people think that if we had Sean Manea and Jacob Junis all starting games and pitching five innings each alongside Cobb and Webb, that somehow the Giants would be better. They would be way worse. And then everybody gets on their case about how they don't like how Kapler manages this pitching staff. Like, he manages it that way because he's only got two guys or had two guys that were capable of starting. I believe he's got some better ones now. And we're going to talk about some of those guys later, like Beck and Wynn and Harrison. But really, the group I want to talk about right now, Matthew, and I think the group that is primarily responsible for this team's mediocrity this year, is the Giants' offense. Right? Like, we are in September And I think a lot of people, as we said, have been looking for reasons to explain why this offense isn't good. And you know what, Matthew? I love analytics and I love statistics and I like getting into the nitty gritty. It's one of the things that I enjoy about baseball. But at a certain point, and I think September is that point, you just got to put it all down and say, this offense is bad because the collection of players that we have who are playing offense collectively are bad. And part of that might be because they were injured a lot. But you know what? That's part of it. Injury history and injuries performance over the season is part of it. And I think a lot of this was predictable. Oh, wait, somebody might have predicted it between the two of us way back at the beginning of the season, and it wasn't you. <laughs> like, this team is bad or mediocre, which is the same thing as bad, because this offense is bad. And it's not gonna be good. It's never gonna be good. This team is gonna get steamrolled in the playoffs because while their pitching is good, it's just not good enough because. It has to let, allow zero runs in order to win. And ultimately, that responsibility lies at the feet of the players. People who have been major disappointments, like Mitch Hannaker. And, you know, our friend and forever giant, Brandon Crawford. And not to mention, you know, sort of, I mean, Conforto. It's confort- did, was Conforto good this year, Matthew?
0: Uh, he was one of our better ones, but no, 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 no.
1: That doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Like, like that's like saying like one of us is the better podcaster. Like we <laughs> both suck, Matthew.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Michael What's... Conforto, 15 home runs, 55 RBIs. The biggest problem with him is he's only played in 111 games.
1: Yeah. There it is. But that's way more games than Mitch Haniger.
0: Yes. Mitch. Yes,
1: it is. Mitch Hooniger? What? Mitch Hanager has played in 44 games. <laughs> and not very well at that. No, no. Remember, we wanted those guys. I said 25 home runs. You and a lot of other people were like 30 each. The Giants haven't yeah. had, had a guy hit 30 home runs in like my lifetime. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, Barry Barry was after I was born. Uh but, but, I mean, there's a lot of Giant fans out there who who haven't seen a 30-home run hitter on the Giants. And and the point is, is that, like, all of these guys have been major disappointments. And as much as we hoped that some of these rookies would show up and give us a spark, I mean, you know, I mean, I, Casey Schmidt was great for three weeks. Patrick Bailey has been was really good and then has been decent. But that's about it, right? Everybody else has just been kind of average or slightly below average.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're more like slightly below. I mean, Luis Matos uh, is batting 250. Uh, so he's probably, uh, he is the the best one behind Bla- uh, Patrick Bailey. Uh, then you've got Blake Sable, actually, uh, hitting 246. Uh, But then you go down to Wade Meckler, 231, uh, Casey Schmidt, 202. Uh, So, uh, yeah, uh, just guys that we thought had a little bit of promise have really ended up struggling through offensively. And, you know, it's just every single one of them has been struggling. So it's not just one guy.
1: Right. And and I'm not saying that these guys are busts. Right. I I think I I think a lot of them won't be busts. They're all very
0: young. But some of them will be. I mean, you know, you're you're not going to hit on all of these guys. And so it's very possible that future Hall of Famer Casey Schmidt uh, is only a Hall of Famer in your mind, Ben. Like, it's possible that this is what we get from him. And and I I think there's more. And I think that he will learn and become a more productive uh, hitter. But uh, he's still chasing pitches out of the strike zone, still you know, very undisciplined. So it's just, you know, it's going to take some time. You can't expect rookies to come up. Rookies are rookies for they struggle for a reason. Right. And and you just you can't expect, as we talked about last week, you know, four or five rookies in your lineup at a time to create a, an offensive spark. Just not going to happen.
1: Right. And I think ultimately, though, that is that is the point. Of what we're of what we're saying is, is that these rookies, we relied heavily on these rookies. We had put a lot of hope into them because the veterans weren't providing, either because they weren't hitting or because they were hurt. And then the front office couldn't go get anything done. I don't know that there was a lot of options out there during the the trade deadline. Quite honestly, so I'm I'm not no. really going to put a yeah. whole lot on this trade deadline. I don't think this trade deadline was as bad as last year's but they didn't get any help then. And and the, and the free agents that they did bring in during the offseason and a lot of the veterans that have come back have been hurt, right? And But at the same time, it's not like we're surprised that these guys have been hurt. Yaz has a history of getting hurt. Crawford, I mean, the guy's getting older and has a recent history of getting hurt. Conforto and Hanniger. That's the reasons that they're Giants at all, because nobody else wanted those guys, because they have a history of getting hurt. And that's why they signed those bizarro contracts, that if they have a bad season, and oh, by the way, folks, they've both had horrible seasons. I mean, Hanegers is just like an utter disaster. Although I am not, I'm, I might be a little bit wrong about Hanegers' contract, because I, I don't know exactly how that one is constructed, because his is not a one plus one, is it?
0: No, I think he actually yeah. has another year guaranteed. Next he year. has
1: another guaranteed year, and then I think he has a player option. But Conforto is definitely on a one plus one, uh, a la Manea and Stripling, and you know the point is is that these were guys who came in that we had high expectations or hopes for, right? I think with Yaz and Crawford, we were talking about hopes. I think with Haniger and Conforto, we were talking about expectations, and those guys haven't delivered. I think, really, this offense has only had two consistently good players all season, and even one of them got hurt. Now, does he have a history of getting hurt? No. But it happened, and that was Tyro, right? The only good thing the Giants had going all season was Wilmer Flores. And hey, Matthew, do you remember during part of the season, and this might be a knock against Gabe Kapler, when Wilmer Flores was kind of like the odd man out and couldn't get any playing time? Can you believe that that happened in 2023? Yeah. Well,
0: I I mean, Wilmer Flores is our best hitter by far this year, uh, but he's only got the fifth highest number of at-bats. Yeah. J.D. Davis
1: has 90 more at-bats than Wilmer Flores does. And J.D. had a good first two months of the season. I'm not going to say he didn't. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But let's face it. This offense is abysmal and I don't look at these guys and have much hope for their futures. Do you? Yeah, I think
0: I mean, I've been looking at this, this. I was just thinking about this today as I'm looking at this, you know, another shutout, you know, what four hits, something like that. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard to look forward and say, do they blow this thing up? Can they blow this thing up and start over? Like, there's just like, you can't, go into next year thinking this year was just a fluke. Right. I mean, you're gotta like, I don't know, like, but then they've got these contracts and you know, there's these guys, I mean, we're looking at pretty much the same team next year with the only difference is maybe rookies with a little bit more experience being the, uh, the, the team that we put forth next year. And I just, it doesn't give me a lot of confidence going into next year.
1: Well, I mean, we're going to have a lot of opportunities to talk about this during the offseason, and I'm a little bit worried that that's going to happen sooner rather than later. <laughs> but I think that this—I mean, i as you said, like, I don't know how you blow this roster up, right? Like, Haniger is going to be back next year because he's got a guarantee. Conforto is probably going to exercise his option, because he's going to not really feel like he's got the inertia to to go get a better, longer term contract off of based off of what he's done this year, especially on the injury front. I don't know that the guy will ever do it. Quite frankly, like I I, I think I think he's not going to ever get the kind of contract that he wants at this point. And and so I don't know how you blow it up. I do think that they're going to come back and run out a lot of the younger players that we've seen right they're gonna try to bring in some free agents but i am not gonna hold my breath there i mean i know i know everybody's super excited about shohei otani but that that sort of that situation has changed a ton and i know we haven't talked about it on the show but since he hurt himself he's no longer the same pitcher that he was before right like he's got to he's got to recover so he's probably not going to pitch for a year. And
0: there's going to be some team that's going to be willing to pay for him like he's going to pitch next year and the Giants aren't going to be one of
1: those teams. Right. And so the question is is that is he available? No, probably not to the Giants. I never believed that he was cuz I just don't believe that this organization can sign a player like that.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think they would have been in the in the in the ballpark and they would have been uh, I think someone to seriously consider, but now with this, you know, injury I feel like that that's probably less likely.
1: Right. Now, there are some other interesting names out there. There's a third baseman, uh, Chapman, is going to be available. There's some guys also that aren't necessarily available definitively, but can opt out of their contracts that might be available. And I think, really, that's what the Giants need to go do, is they need to go sign a a much better established hitter to put in the middle of their lineup and have a bunch of these younger guys, hopefully find themselves and develop while they're playing at the major league level and that you're going to see a team like that. But the question mark is, can they sign any of those guys? And, you know, I don't know that they can. I mean, I don't know that this organization wants to be the kind of organization that can sign a guy like Chapman They because they want to be the kind of organization that signs guys like Hanniger and Conforto, right? And... So I don't know. I think that this team next year is going to look a lot like this team this year, but it's going to be a lot of the younger guys. And the older guys will just be DFA'd and they'll bring back the guys that they have to because they opted in. So no, I don't have high hopes for next year that this lineup is going to change much. The only hope is that we hope some of these younger players develop. But speaking about younger players developing... On the, def- on the offensive, sorry, on the pitching side, things aren't quite so dire, right? And And even though you and I blame the Giants' offense for being the reason why this team is so mediocre this year, another reason that they're mediocre and not just plain old bad is their pitching staff. Right. And a large part of that has been the bullpen. The bullpen really struggled early on in the season. I think that hurt this team a ton. Right, they probably should have five more wins if the bullpen. Yeah, remember they
0: were like what six, seven games under five hundred midway through May, right? Because their
1: bullpen sucked. Yeah. Right, and then the bullpen has been absolutely fantastic the rest of the season, as we expected it to be, and it probably should have been. I think if the bullpen had been great all season, we're probably five games better than we are now. And I don't see that bullpen changing very much next year. And the whole pitching staff has been good as well, despite the fact that we've had Manea and Stripling on there. And But a big part of what has helped buoy that pitching staff in the second half has been the young guys, right? Yeah. And that includes guys like Harrison, Beck, and Wynn. And quite honestly... You know, talking about next year, if we bring back a bunch of the current roster, but it's young guys who we hope develop, but it also includes Harrison, Beck, and Wynn for the entire season, then this might be a pitching and defense kind of team that is, you know, an 89, 87 win team next year because yeah. the pitching is that much better. And the bullpen is as rock solid as it ever could be. So quite honestly, and that starts to look a lot like the team from the early teens. Yeah, no, you're that's right. I think, you know, we one of the best
0: things about Harrison and Beck and now win back uh, is that they get the experience now. You know, there's a learning curve for these guys that, you know, what they could get away with in AAA, they can't get away with, you know, in the majors. Uh, they're learning how to pitch at a much more difficult level. And I think the experience will pay off as they get into next year. You know, they won't be, you know, the fresh green rookies. They'll have uh, had a handful of starts and they'll know what they need to do. They'll have the whole off season to work on things and to, you know, figure out, you know, ways to attack hitters and all of that, that will be really valuable as they get into next season. And uh, not to say that they can't help for the next 30 days, but I think these 30 days are also a real big learning curve for them because you know these these guys are, you know they they're obviously very talented, uh, but still you know learning of uh, that you can't pitch Juan Soto there. You know, you can't, you can't try and blow a fastball by Machado. You know, it's just, those are the things that they've got to kind of figure out and we'll make them better next year. And, you know, so I, I, you're absolutely right. I think the pitching staff next year, just on paper already looks so much better than it did this year. Uh, I think they're going to still have that same problem, which will be something to talk about in the off season. It's going to be interesting. Like what do they do with some of those contracts? But you know, I think that everyone can see that the young guys are the guys that are going to be, you know, the ones that the Giants count on to, to have a more normal rotation next year. Right. Uh, the one thing you can count on is that Alex Wood will not be a Giant next year.
1: <laughs> I think that's, yes. You know, it is, I don't want to go too deep down that angle, but but he has been a lot more quiet and he has been going out and he's been doing his job, but it is still, he is still on mop-up duty. He's been, and he's had some good performances, but he's on mop-up duty. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah it, it, the the clock is winding down on him, um, for sure. But just getting back to to Harrison and Beck and Win, like I do think that is a really interesting dynamic, right? Because as as pessimistic as I am about this team's ability to improve its offense, right? Because the veterans, the, I don't think the veterans are going to come back next year and all be suddenly better than they were this year right? And I don't necessarily think that we can count on Conforto and Hanegar having healthy years ever again, right? Right. But, you know, uh, the one thing that I do know is is that Alex Cobb has a team option for next year of $10 million, and he's going to be 36 years old. But the man looks pretty darn good for a 35-year-old. Oh, man, that's, that's like, the that's best cheap. $10 million
0: they'll spend. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's...
1: So the Giants are going to option definitely exercise that. And, and like, You know, worst case scenario, he ends up being your number five starter and he'll probably be better than that. Right. Because now you bring him back and you also have Webb, you have Wynn, you have Harrison and you have Beck. And yes, Harrison and Beck both had some starts recently that make you have reservations. But I think that those are because of their pitch selection, as you just mentioned. Right. This is about them becoming better pitchers which they can do. It's not about their velocity, it's not about their stuff,
0: their stuff, yeah. No. It's
1: about pitch selection. And I think that is something and really like location selection. And I think that's something that they can improve upon and learn from this year. And I think it's absolutely, as you said, to the team's benefit and to their benefit that they're performing in these games now. Obviously, we want them to do success to do well now. But again, you know, when your team's only scoring one run per game, There's only so much you can do. But getting back to my original point is is that you have Webb, Harrison, Beck, Wynn, and Cobb coming back next year. And that is a starting five rotation, right? Full of young guys, right? Four young guys, two of them who are definitely ace quality. And then you have Cobb, who is, you know, a resurgent veteran, but who has always been good. Right. And then you have Wynn and, and Beck, who, who have both proven very, very good at times. Right. And that's your starting five rotation. And then behind that, you have a very, very excellent bullpen, which is going to have Doval and both of the Rogers brothers in it at the very least. Right. So I'm not worried about the Giants from a pitching perspective next year at all. And I'm also not worried about them on defense, because quite honestly, some of these rookies that we brought up that we talk about, like we beat up on Casey Schmidt all of the time. You more than me. But the kid can play defense. Yeah. Wade Meckler has looked really good out in center field. You know, better. yeah. 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 I mean, there was one game. Yeah. I mean, he's had his rough spots. Right, he has definitely had his rough spots, and I'm not going to say he didn't. But he's got the ability, right? Yeah, well, his
0: speed too. I mean, his speed makes uh, right, uh, you know, makes up for a lot,
1: a lot of mistakes, right? And I would say he's not making the same kind of mistakes that Matos was making, right? when coming in on balls, right? Meckler looks a lot better when he's coming in on balls than Matos has and when they sent Matos down. And that was one of the reasons that they sent Matos down was because of his yeah. center field defense, particularly on balls in front of him. Meckler looks a lot better in that case. So I think from a pitching and defense perspective, like this team can be competitive next year. And I think will be better than the team this year overall because of the pitching prospects. I I have less hope about this team's ability to score runs in the next few years. But you know what? Very few people say an overpowering offense wins championships. But
0: you know what? You say that, but you know what? Nothing, nothing, nothing fixes a woes like a three run home run, you know? And And we just, we don't got three run home run guys. No. You know, we got guys that can run into one every now and then, you know, we've got a bunch of guys. You look at the stats, we got a bunch of guys in that like 15 home run kind of range. But like you said, nobody's hitting 30. You know, the Padres got like three guys that'll do that, you know? And so it's just, it's, there's something to be said, I think for guys that can change a game with one swing of the bat and the Giants don't have that. I don't and and I don't see it in the minor leagues either, Matthew. No, there's no guy mashing in the minors right now. There's no guy that's been like, you know, leading the Pacific Coast League in home runs on the Giants, you know, triple A team. And so I just yeah, it's it's not something that they've really uh, focused on. I Um, will say um, this.
1: There's one guy who at least for one year clearly made the wrong decision. And who would that be? That would be one Arson James judge <laughs> because because here, here's the thing Matthew like this man let, let's talk about his stats this year really quick his stats his OPS plus for this year is 174 he's hit 31 home runs his war his offensive war is 3.8 his total war his this is baseball reference is 3.5 right His wins, his sorry, his weighted runs created pluses. I don't have that in front of me, but anyway, the point is he's been very good. And do you know how many games he played? Eighty two. Eighty two. And do you know why he played eighty two games, Matthew? Because he broke his toe. That's right. He broke his toe playing in Los Angeles when he ran into that stupid bullpen fence. And if he had been playing for the Giants, he would not have been there on that day and he would not have broken his toe but even with him only playing 82 games the Giants probably would have won three or four more games with that man with those stats I I would take half of a season of Aaron Judge over almost any other anybody besides Wilmer and Tyro a full season out of Wilmer and Tyro so anyway I mean, yes, I know they're going to, they, they, he's already got it. He's going to have his face in bronze out in the center field and that's great and all blah, 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 Yankees, Yankees, yada, yada, yada. But still, <laughs> 2023, wrong choice, buddy. You would have made more money. You would have been definitely going to the playoffs and you would have been doing it in front of your hometown. Year 2023, well, definitely the wrong choice for Aaron Judge.
0: I mean, there's not one Giants player that has an offensive war over (laughs) 2.3.
1: And he's got a 3.8, is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. With 82 games. Yeah. Wrong choice, Aaron, wrong choice. Way to go, buddy. (laughs) Come back next year. Maybe things will go your way. But definitely for 2023, it was the wrong choice. Uh, Yeah, but so, I mean, I guess my point is this, is like, Honestly, if the Giants do accidentally, by some miracle, get one good offseason acquisition, and it's definitely not going to be Shohei Otani, because they can't. But a third baseman would be a really good fit, right? I know we all like J.D. Davis, but come on. So, like, that would be a really good fit. But we got a long time until that comes, Right. I think for, for this year and for next year, we're really talking about Harrison, Beck, and Wynn and how much of an impact they can make.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, and I think that's – you brought up a good point as far as you know the way the roster is constructed. They're going to have to rely on pitching and defense. Yeah you know, uh, to, to do well. And which is not, I mean, from a fan perspective, not as fun. Uh, Well,
1: I, you know, uh, know, it's, no, I, mm. okay. No, say what you're going to say. No,
0: I just, I, I, I know you're gonna be like, Oh yeah. Pitching and defense wins championships and that's all fun to watch and all that. But you know what? Chicks dig the long ball, Ben. Yeah. All right. And, 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 and guys who drink and watch the giants dig the long ball too. And I just I just want to see some balls go over the right. fence. That's that's what right. I want to see. Right. I want to see run scored. I want to see less four to nothing shutouts and I sure. want to see like six to two mm-hmm. blowouts, you know, eight to two. I want to see run scored, man. Yeah. I want to see just guys going up and knowing that you're going to score a run there instead of be like, oh, bases loaded. Nobody out. Well, gee, we're, we might go to score a run yeah. here, you know, if they're if they're lucky. Yeah.
1: Because because nobody remembers Tim Lincecum or Matt Cain or Madison Bumgardner. Nobody knows who those guys are. What a bunch of losers. Who?
0: What? Ugh. Okay, but they also were complimented with guys like Buster Posey. And, you know, so I, I think that there's... We don't have we don't, that. We don't even have Buster sure, Posey. We don't have a Buster Posey. Right but,
1: so. like, Buster Posey and... Cody Ross?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Freddie... Freddie... <laughs> Gonz- uh Fre-
0: Gregor Blanco,
1: you know. No, Come I on. mean, think about it. Burl, uh, Aubrey Huff. I mean, right? No, I mean, it, it was it. pitching and defense that won those championships, and there were the rock stars were all pitchers, except for Buster. Like, and they can do that again. You know, maybe the solution next year is go out and find some great defensive outfielders. Right. If you can't sign a good offensive player. Right. Go double down on defense. Right. And and I don't what's Wilmer's contact contract situation. They signed him for three yeah, years. That's right. Like that's two right. Years, so Wilmer's coming back. He's going to be DH. He's going to be first base. He's going to be third base. And, uh, you know, like I, you know, I, I think there's a way that the Giants can put a competitive team out on the field next year Bec- by building around this pitching trio, which has, like, I think in terms of, like, all of the prospects that have come up this year, really, besides Patrick Bailey, really define themselves as being great. And quite honestly, this looks a lot like 2010, 2012, 2014, right? Because you've got a great young catcher and a lot of great young pitchers all coming up at the same time. This That is not a bad template, Right. So I think this is a team that could be competitive in that manner. And if they're going to succeed both this year and next year, it's going to be the backs on those kids, right? It's going to be Harrison, Beck and Wynn, along with the guys who've already established themselves, like Webb and Cobb and, and the bullpen, right? If this team this year has any chance, it's going to be because of the pitching. I think next year the hope is they double down on defense and some of these other younger hitters develop. Yeah, I know. It's not sexy, and there's no long ball. And I wish they would develop an offensive player, too. But we just don't see it happening. I mean, we got a lot of scrappers, right? We got a lot of mecklers and, I mean, I don't know. Who else is mecklers and Schmitz and, you know, a lot of scrappy guys. Bailey's. Bailey's. Yes, yes. But we don't guys. got any bombers. Not anywhere. All the no. way deep down. Our best bombers are two-way players who are also pitchers. And they're all like 22 years old, just fresh out of college, or they're 18 years old. Our hottest hitting prospect right now is an 18-year-old. See him in about six years.
0: Well, I just went back and looked at the 2012 Giants just to kind of see, because, you know, to, to to check your point. And uh, it, it is kind of, you're right, It's it's funny how relying on pitching they were because Buster Posey led the team with 24 home runs. Uh, their starting second baseman, Ryan Terrio, That's right. had a grand total of zero home runs, but he had a 360 on base. He would have been a, a Gabe Kapler Farhan right. dream right there. <laughs> uh, so uh, so yeah, so the the next highest home run total of the Giants was Pablo Sandoval with 12. Yeah.
1: Look, I mean, the, the takeaway uh, is this, is that like this offense is bad and it needs to get better by hook or by crook right and and it's probably what's going to drag this team down this year and and I'm not very hopeful by, because they just look so lackluster and and they load the bases and they don't score anybody and it's just infuriating so like if you you know it, it's like nobody on the giants wants to stand up and take charge other than Tyro and Wilmer and so therefore if this team is going to be well do well this year it's going to be on the backs of the pitching staff and they're going to have to you know eke their way through. And a team like that's probably just not going to win in the playoffs. But I think next year, you come back, you have all of these pitchers playing the full season. You have a bullpen that is hopefully just even remotely, you know, like 75% good to its potential, as opposed to like just atrocious as it was this year when the season started. This team could be, I think, a 90-win team next year. but they're going to have to do it with pitching and defense.
0: (sighs) Well, Bob, who are, who is it that we're, we're luckily we're not, at least we're not the Rockies. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the Rockies could be our saving grace. If you want to end this podcast on a positive note. All right. We play what them? One, two, three, seven more games. We're already five and one against the Colorado Rockies this year. Uh, So we need to go at least six and one, I think against the Rockies to really kind of make a difference here. Uh, And that's where the schedule is, is most helpful and got to win one or two from Arizona win at least five, if not six of those Colorado games. Uh, And then maybe we got a shot. Uh, I don't, Feel like we're in a position to really talk about, you know, what we would do in the playoffs because I I just don't see a team that is set up to do damage in the postseason. But, you know, as you said, all you need is a a chip and a chair, right? And uh, who knows? Who knows what will happen? So.
1: I mean, the Phillies did it, right? The Phillies were the last wild card last year, and they made it all the way to the World Series. Like, there's no reason that it couldn't happen. See, I said Giants. that like a nobody few weeks ago, and you in... poo
0: pooed me. So, you know, but yeah, yeah, that's that's right.
1: Well, I'm just, I, I, I agree with it. Like, well, first of all, like, nobody, nobody believed in the 2010, 2012, or 2014 Giants once they made it to the right. playoffs. Like, nobody believed in those teams in the playoffs. Yeah. I think that's because they all underplayed Pitching and defense, though, but and that is this team's strength. Pitching is. I, I think defense is not quite there, but you know, p- defense is a lot easier to fix than offense is in terms of next year. So, I think there's still hope. There's still
0: there's still hope, hope guys. Come back next week, uh, and uh, you know, drink, have a drink with us, uh, and we'll see how how we did. But uh, in the meantime. It's time to Not answer hope, the though. trivia question. So Rich Aurelia played for three other teams beside the Giants in his career, sandwiched around two stints Correct. with the Giants. Yes, Ben, what were those three teams?
1: Those teams were the Seattle Mariners, the San Diego Padres, and the Cincinnati Reds. Yes. And I had actually
0: 100% blocked out that he was a Padre for any length of time in my head. And then when I saw that, I was like, what? Like, that has to be a mistake. And then I went back and looked that he signed as a free agent with the Mariners in 2004. And then they DFA'd him in early July. They released him and then traded him for cash to the Padres. Uh, who used him, I guess, for the stretch run. Uh, and then he signed as a free agent with the Reds in the offseason that year, played two seasons with the Reds, and then came back and finished his career with the Giants, uh, playing three more seasons.
1: He played and he played two seasons with the Reds for a total of two hundred and thirty six games after the Mariners DFA'd him. Yeah. After signing <laughs> Ah, Seattle. Yeah. Anyway, so that is your answer.
0: I just was surprised that Rich Relia was a Padre. That was the reason why this got put in there as I was watching the Padres do it it to us. uh, I was like, of course, of course he was a Padre. All right. Well, looking ahead to next week, Ben, uh, I am drinking uh, the Strawberry Southside, which uh, is a summer refreshing
1: drink. Uh, Ben, what are you drinking next week? I am drinking a celebration of old school cocktails and the season of autumn because it is now autumn, not summer. Yeah. So the Jack Rose
0: take a listen to Thursday's uh, happy hour episode where you can see Ben and I argue about whether it's actually summer or fall. Uh, and then looking ahead to the next week of baseball, we've got, uh, the Chicago Cubs who are ahead of us in the wild card race. The Cubs have been a good team and, uh, you know, arguably a better team than the Giants. So, uh, we will, they have turned their season around.
1: They, 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 this is, this is about a story. This is really too, if you recall, they were like on a
0: 10 game winning streak right before the trade deadline and have just kind of carried that momentum. So, uh, they've done a great job and then hallelujah. We play the Rockies uh need at least five wins uh out of the next out of the
1: next seven they need five wins yeah if they don't win five of those games against the rockies the season is over yeah
0: yeah all right well we will soon find out you will watch we will watch this this next month unfold together happily drunk while we do it if you haven't done so already don't forget to subscribe uh and uh, rate us on the podcast listener of your choice. I do want to give a shout out to a listener uh, user NS 92, who left a wonderful uh, review on Apple Podcasts. They said this show is perfectly equal parts, giants, updates and opinions and boozy goodness. Ben and Matthew always keep things fun and fresh and their cocktails are delicious. Seriously, try them. So thank you, NS Perry 92 That was very kind of you. Uh, I'm sorry I did not get to uh, see that one because I got blocked off by, uh, by our mother. So, you know, what are you going to do? Your mother, you know, distracts you and you just, you know, you don't see all the other ones. So anyway, thank you for leaving such a kind review. Those of you who have been thinking about leaving a review, go do it right now. Go, 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 go right now, right now. You don't have to listen to the end. That's fine. Just go. Positive review. And uh don't forget to follow us on the socials, uh Twitter threads and Instagram and Mastodon at Giant Cocktails and where we put all of our our recipes and we're especially active over on it's actually not Twitter anymore, huh? It's X. We're at we're active on X. So come on over and interact with us there. Anyway, Ben, I think it's time to wrap this up. It's been good chatting with you. Cheers, my friend.
1: Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Hasta la
0: vista, baby. I mean, bye. Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up.